welcome to the Owners Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Prue Chapman, and I'm here to help you build a better business. Whether you're just starting out or you're looking to grow your global empire, this is the place for you. My mission here is to inspire and educate a new wave of business owners. Business owners that value purpose and planet equally with profit and projections so that we can truly use business as a force for good. Here, I'll be sharing real-time, real-world strategies that I've learned from mentoring over 15,000 businesses. We'll be covering everything from entrepreneurial mindset and marketing right through to leadership, finances, growing your team, and everything in between. Most importantly, I'll be helping you build the business that's right for you. To get started, download my free guide to starting and scaling your business at theownerscollective.com forward slash start and scale. Welcome back, friends. My guest today is Andrew Vanderbeek, the founder of Illuminate, a cloud-based advisory-led accounting firm where they're always pushing the boundaries. Now, Andrew believes that the days of just doing the books and filing tax returns are gone and that accountants of today and tomorrow need to be more and do more, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Now, with this kind of approach, Illuminate have won multiple accounting industry awards and Andrew was actually named as Australia's Accounting Industry Thought Leader of the Year. That's a pretty cool title, Andrew. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Prue. It is always really weird to hear people introduce you and uh, you did a great job. I didn't feel too awkward that time. Uh, I have had that feeling before when I've been on other people's podcasts. I know it's like, great, we've really set the stage. No pressure at all. Just come up with the goods, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, now, now everyone thinks I'm going to be amazing and I'm going to be like, well, um, tax returns, the end. And then that's about it. It's end of financial year. Get them in. (laughs) I don't need it. Man, the end of financial year for us accountants right now, given everything that's going on with COVID, with uh, tax planning, with everything that's going on in the world, um, it's it's a good time to be alive to be an accountant if you don't like sleeping. I would imagine so. And I can't count how many times I said last year, like accountants are the superheroes of 2020. Like literally, I think you guys and girls out there who are listening, just, I mean, you really were the backbone to the businesses. Like, I mean, I can't even imagine the amount of emotions from your clients that you were holding up, let alone the actual business Mm. stuff, um, getting the information out. And, you know, I know that just in my own dealings with business owners as well, it's like the government would make an announcement, but not release any of the details to any of the, you know, whatever it was, the stimulus that was being released. So everyone, I imagine, just jumped straight into your inbox or straight onto your phone. um, And no one had the details yet of how it was going to work, but you guys somehow had to come up with the answers because you are the ones that were going to have to implement the things. Yeah. Well, thank you for noticing that. I think the the accounting industry, uh, it was the most challenging time of our lives, but also the most rewarding time of our lives. And our ability to work with clients and like a few days later, see the fact that they can pay their staff, feed their family. It was huge, but it was like, oh man, like it was like 15 to 20 hour days, seven days a week for about three months straight. And I reckon kind of every week or two, I'd curl up in a ball and cry and my, my wife would pat me on the head and say, there, 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 there. And, but there was really no, there was no escape from it other than kind of bunkering down and doing what we could and, and getting a team around you. But um, a lot more manageable these days. And um, I, think, I think the industry as a whole has learnt the value of being connected and communicating well en masse with their client base because when you have 300 people needing the same answer, you can do that effectively or ineffectively. Mm, 
That's a really good point, actually. So I think just a moment of pause here for how much gratitude we have for our accountants. I think now more than ever, um, a big, yeah, wholehearted, I think from all small business owners. It was just absolutely incredible what um, all the accountants pulled us through, accountants and bookkeepers, I should say, um, that pulled us through in 2020. So I want to actually hear a little bit more about Illuminate because I know that you do accounting differently. So can you give me a little bit of the story behind bringing Illuminate to life and also your focus on purpose-based accounting, which I hadn't heard until, uh, you know, I was going to interview you and I just, I love the sounds of it. So yeah, walk us through it. Awesome. So I guess like, like we'll go back to the beginning of, of Illuminate. So I was a young 26-year-old accountant, had, you know, a number of years under my belt and I was just getting so frustrated with how transactional accounting is. I mean, at the core of it, it is a transaction. You take a number, you put it in a box, it goes on a piece of paper or a digital form, it gets submitted to the tax office and hopefully it's correct and hopefully your client doesn't go to jail. Um, like that was the core of what accounting has been for some time. And, and I was just getting so frustrated with how transactional it was. You know, I do, I, I, I do some numbers in boxes and then I wouldn't hear from a client for a year. And I mean, I wasn't a, a, in, a, in a senior position by, at all, but I was just so frustrated with it and going, well, surely we can do this better. And, and, and is this really something that I want to spend the rest of my life doing? And then I realized like behind every number and every box, there's a business and behind every business, there's a person and behind every person, there's like hopes and dreams and things they want to achieve in their life. And I went, well, if I can connect more to that aspect of what it is that I'm doing, still holding core and being good at the compliance or what we call keeping out of jail services, then maybe, maybe just maybe I'll enjoy what I'm doing. And maybe just maybe our clients will get a level of service that they've been looking for as well. And so I guess, you know, fast forward the the nine or so years now since that happened and this whole idea around purpose-based accounting came out there and it's it's really understanding like what on earth are you doing here? Like why are you doing this? And then helping to ensure that the numbers and the everything that kind of comes after that is connected to that goal, that ultimate purpose. And whether that purpose is an external purpose of like what do you want to do to serve your community or whether it's an, an internal purpose in terms of like a goal or a dream that you personally have, I think being able to operate as an accountant, as a, an advisor, a bookkeeper, a numbersy person or a business person with your client, truly understanding that means we almost have like the the play-by-play rule we're kind of sitting there all ready to go and we don't have to try and continually reinvent the wheel every time we meet a client or or what's even more frustrating and I've, I have this as a business owner myself is like I, I get that that's what everyone else is saying but this is this is what I want to do. This is what I want to achieve. So what, why do I have to do it that way if that's not going to connect to the ultimate goal of what I have in business? So I guess that's probably what I describe purpose-based accounting as being and that kind of change from numbers in boxes and transaction to to relationship and human authenticity and then understanding the why behind these people and these businesses. Oh, I absolutely love that flip. It's so interesting. And I feel like that's how business kind of started off back in the day, that it was a human to human connection. You knew the people behind the businesses that you were interacting with. And, you know, it's what I love about small business. But then we kind of went through this crazy globalization, you know, the industrial period and then the globalization Mm. period. Mm. And it's just like all of that was lost. But it really seems like we're coming back to it now. Like I feel like the tides are really turning on coming back to human to human connection in business as a kind of overarching sort of view. 
Oh, it's so hot right now. And and part of that is obviously like just the kind of people that we're evolving to be and what we appreciate and everyone loves a good experience. And and you can pull out your marketing textbooks and say that from a marketing perspective, the more purpose-based you can. I think the word purpose in accounting or in business so was like was trending for a good couple of years in a row. So like it's not it's not anything new, but it's also something new at the same time. And it's just connected to where people are at. And as well as the, I guess, the the, the cycle that people are in business. And I know um, myself trying to deliver purpose-based services, but also being someone who wants to be purpose-based, um, the less time I have, the less purpose-focused I am because I'm so busy doing all the things. So the more that we can create that space to understand and be a part of that, then better conversations are had, hopefully better results are achieved and people understand what's going on more than, I guess I made X dollars per annum and I have to pay X number of tax, but I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I guess it is because, oh well, like it's just trying to be more and grow, but I don't know. I, it's very hot right now, like this whole purpose-based, human-based stuff, which I'm really, really appreciating. Yeah, me too. I'm 100% into it. So I guess I'd like to understand a little bit better how you or how this actually plays out. I mean, is it as simple as taking the time to speak to someone or are there particular sort of processes and systems you have in place to make sure that things are purpose-based? I mean, how do you actually bring this to life? Look, this is a constantly evolving thing. I wouldn't say I've I've built a 12-step, you know, plan program to purpose-based something because then in itself, it kind of removes the purpose nature of it all. It becomes so structured. So I think there's definitely a large component of conversation and openness and willingness to ask questions that you might not ordinarily ask. And then there's the structure of making sure that you're checking back in on those things. And when you're delivering whatever advice it might be that you're doing, stopping and thinking about what it is they want to achieve. So if I look at it, from Illuminate's perspective and how how we might deliver that. Uh, when I'm meeting with a new client, um, we might get to a point uh, where we're talking about what they want to achieve and that kind of stuff. And I ask them what we refer to as the Illuminate's golden question. And it goes, if you could do one thing tomorrow morning, regardless of time, money or location, with no restrictions at all, when you get out of bed, what would you do? And a lot of people struggle to answer this because it's quite a selfish question. It's not. It's not like... You know, I want to go serve. It might be you want to serve people. It's like, what do you want to do? What do you want out of this? What is the top of your bucket list right now? Do you want to travel? Do you want to do fa- start a family? Do you want to buy a home? Do you want to volunteer here? What does that look like? Um, and it normally takes people a few goes to be able to answer that kind of honestly and truthfully because they're not used to thinking that way. And then once we have that, the way we work with our clients is we try to be as consistently in their world as we possibly can within reason. Obviously, we can't do it every day or every week because our people would be mentally exhausted because of that. But if we catch up every month or every quarter, we're making sure that we are saying, hey, so just connecting on this thing, how are you going towards achieving that? All right, this is what the numbers look like. We know that in order for you to do that thing, you need to generate time and money in your world to achieve that. So it's really taking that what is this overarching desire of yours that you've got? And then as you're facing decisions, we now then can say, does this decision get you closer to or further away from achieving this one thing? 
And then as we look at the numbers behind the business, we can also say, well, based on the numbers you're achieving, we feel you are, in fact, getting closer and closer to that point. And I mean, I can think of a a client that we've been working with for a while and um, uh, she runs an e-commerce business and she's wanted to uh, own horses for a while. She's owned horses when she was young, hasn't had for a while. And and we were able to work with her and she's now got a horse for herself and a, and a pony for her girls. And and um, we're able to make that a really important thing that might not be a good financial decision, but in terms of a life purpose-based decision, provided the other things are tied up, um, it, was, it was amazing to do that. And then you achieve that and then you go, cool, all right, well, now you've ticked that box. Let's go back to that initial question and let's see where we go from here. Oh, you are speaking my language and I'm sure that all of our listeners right now are just like, yes, yes, keep talking, Andrew, keep talking because <laughs> it's the way that, this is the thing that I actually love about business is that business is the tool to get us to the life that we want, you know, to be able to experience the life that we want, to spend time with the people that we want to spend time to, to do the things that we want to do. Business is the tool. I mean, for some people who really love business, um, you know, it can be the whole kit and caboodle for them. But for most of us, it's that we want to live this particular life with particular people doing particular things and how can the business that we have actually serve that as opposed to the other way around. So what's your answer to the question, Prue? What would you do if you could do anything tomorrow? Oh, I love it, Andrew. Interview the podcaster here. The first thing that actually came to my mind, and this probably needs a little bit of a backstory to it, but if I could just wake up and do anything tomorrow, what I would do is spend... I would actually gift myself a really spacious meditation like mm. that's immediately what comes to mind. And the reason being is that I've just had some like health things crop up this year and I actually haven't been able to meditate because I've been getting these kind of strange tremors. And I've just, it's kind of all easing off and it's getting better now. And so I haven't, I've been an avid meditator for a long, long time and I haven't been able to meditate for about six months and I've just started being able to meditate again. So for me, like spending time in meditation is like, the ultimate place for me to be because it really, um, it informs most of my decisions about life, about where I want to go, what I want to do, how I want to show up. And so that was what immediately came to mind when you mentioned that. So if we go, I'm just going to keep going down this track. Don't mind me. If you go that, where would you be meditating? Would you be doing it at home? Would you be going somewhere? Would it be for a day? Would it be for a week? Would it be with others? Would it be by yourself? Like if you kind of build that picture out, then that's what we try to achieve is like, how do we make it like a deeper picture than one thing, but an immersive something that you can, you know, put on the wall or work towards. So what would it, would you go deeper in that for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I love this. This is so fun. I feel like I've just like got myself a private <laughs> little session here. Just a let's bunch of people this. listening on the outside. Yeah, let's, let's, I'm all in for this kind of stuff. So um, for me, I would definitely be doing it at home. Um, we just a few years ago bought like my dream house, which is a tree house um, just in between Lennox Head and Byron Bay. So it's an absolute awesome. dream. It's got like 180 degree views of the horizon, including the ocean. Wow. So there is just no place on earth. I would rather be with these huge picturesque windows. So I would be sitting there. I would be doing, um, I should mention, it makes it sound really glamorous, but it's like, it's an old wooden house and it's kind of like camping inside. So I feel like I just need to put a little bit of a disclaimer on that. Uh, that um, sounds cool. I'm, I'm coming to visit soon. I'm, I'm looking forward to hanging do out. Do it. There. Do it. Sometimes the doors fall off, but it's okay. I love it. Um, <laughs> and so I would probably gift myself like the morning of meditation. I would do it on my own. Um, I always get, like I said, incredible um, experiences of connection and of download when I'm meditating. So mm. I would not only kind of give myself that time of meditation, but I would probably give myself 
the first half of the day. And when I say that, um, you know, I'm usually up around five o'clock. So I would give myself until mid-morning to kind of then action whatever came out of that. So um, quite often that can be a creation process that might come out of that. Or if an idea has come to me, I might go for a long walk after that. And really because what I've found in my life is just the times when I'm most powerful, most impactful, 100% is when I'm doing that meditation on a really regular basis. So then to also have the time on the other side of that to Mm. implement action, whatever actually comes out of that. So I would do it by myself. I would do it in my own home and it would probably look like a spacious kind of half day for me awesome. moving into the mid-morning. Yeah. That's cool. And then what we do is we we take all of that and we say, well, what needs to change within your business to get you there? Because if you're not currently able to achieve that, because that's the idea is the thing you want to do tomorrow, you're not currently able to achieve for various different reasons. And it could sometimes be in business, you're having to work too hard, you're having to spend, you know, seven days a week in your business because where you're at, or it's not profitable as it needs to be because you need to be able to release funds to be able to achieve certain things. So my answer to this question is I would start a whiskey bar because I'm utterly obsessed with whiskey. I have a wall full of it. Um, no, you can't see, but I've got a few hundred bottles sitting over there. And my dream is to get create that experience with whiskey that is just immersive and, 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 and enjoyable. Um, but right now I can't because my business requires X amount of time of me and starting a whiskey bar effectively means I'm not going to make any money for a while. So I need to make sure financially I'm secure. Educationally, I need to be upskilled. I need a network. So all of a sudden there's like a list of like 15 to different things that I need to now be aware of to get myself there. And a lot of them my business can provide and then others I need to go and do myself. And, and our approach with that is, my my approach in advisory is like, I'm not necessarily going to solve them for you. Like a lot of these things sit with the business owner to to make decisions on, but they now have someone that's going to hold them accountable to it and also can help them to understand if their business is empowering them to do that. Because I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm fairly certain that I've never met someone that says, I started a business to not have a life. Everybody started a business to create a life and have freedom to do it their own way. So how can we how can we make sure that that's being achieved and getting us closer to that? And that's kind of encapsulates everything that I guess I'm personally about when it comes to this whole purpose-based advisory or purpose-based accounting. And then what we do outside of that is the same stuff that everybody else does as an accountant. It's lodging tax returns, GST, it's structure advice, it's making sure people are getting paid, doing bookkeeping, all that kind of stuff. But with the lens of that whole purpose aspect to it all. And then with a very healthy dose dose of authenticity, personality, and kind of human connection. Love, love, love all of the things. And to close out that example that you used of me, and I'm so glad that you gave your own example because it's from meditation to a whiskey bar. I feel like we are wildly yep. different people and it's so awesome because it gives people the two looks of what, we, what we're doing here. Although I feel like very values aligned, I should mention in there as well. And mm. for me, I feel like I'm in a, such a really great place at the moment with my health on the improve, but also because we've just um, two months ago hired a marketing coordinator. And so a bunch of the work that I was doing, she has just completely taken off my plate, which has now allowed me the time to be able to, you know, step into this this meditation that I want to be doing a lot more of. So um, I can see it was, yeah, as you were walking through it, I was like, okay, what needs to change? Great. In my business, you know, very personally, that has just changed and you're exactly mm. right. That's what's happened. And I feel like even just following that line of questioning is so so helpful. Even for our listeners, you know, it'd be wonderful if their accountant or maybe your new accountant, Andrew, uh, could walk you through. But even if not, if you're just listening to this, okay, that's a really, you can take yourself through that process of just yep. continuing down that line of self-inquiry about where would you be? And then once you get there to work backwards from there. 
You're listening to the Owners Collective podcast with Prue Chapman. That's me. And I've snuck in here for a quick minute to let you know that we've just opened up places for my five-month mentoring program, High End Hustlers, built for creative folk to grow their businesses. Now we're kicking off in mid-July and this is the only intake that we're going to be doing this year. So straight up, we're kicking off with a three-day online summit where we align your personal and your professional goals and then help you dial in the clarity for your next moves. I'm talking about your products, services, pricing, your financial game plan, your marketing strategy, sales, and how to build a team. Now, what makes high-end hustlers like nothing else out there is that you get a practical education in business and you get mentoring specific to you and your business. The results are off the hook because we have a completion rate of over 95%. So if you're looking to grow your business, your impact, your knowledge, and connect with a like-minded community, then this is the place for you. For details, head over to highendhustlers.com where you'll find the full rundown of this epic mentoring program. See you there. Moving on to kind of, I guess, a little bit deeper into the numbers, um, I'd love to know what kind of financial metrics you're looking at to help people push forward with that purpose, to help align their business with those goals that they have. I mean, is it different for everyone? Or maybe you've got an example or two that you want to pull out for us on the spot. Yeah, look, every business is going to have different objectives that it wants to um, kind of achieve. And as a result of those objectives, you're going to be looking at potentially different numbers to understand that. But I mean, at its core, there's a good half a dozen random numbers or ratios that you kind of pay attention to that that speak to the health of your business. And these also depend on whether you have employees or not, whether you're, um, you know, a sole trader kind of, you know, um, that space or whether you're a larger business with other people. Typically in this space, I'm talking to people that are single person owned or family owned businesses. So one person or one family owns it. And that means that that purpose is direct connected to that one group rather than having three or four people that own, which is still achievable. But those numbers, when we're playing with numbers, we're looking at things like break even. So break even effectively means how much do I need to sell to not make any money? And then as a result of that, how much do I need to sell to make X dollars? So therefore I can understand where I'm going from there. But to understand break even you need to understand things like, what are my overhead costs? What things are happening every month, whether I make a dollar or whether I make zero dollars, what costs are occurring? And then looking at this, what I sell, whether it's a product or a service or something, what costs go into that service or product? And therefore, what's left over after those direct costs? Because once you've got those income, direct costs and overheads, you can figure out relatively closely enough how much money you need to sell tomorrow or next month or next year in order to take that next step in business. So you've got, I've got that little core there. And then a few other ones that I really like to pay attention to um, is return on marketing, looking at numbers again, how much am I spending on my marketing and my advertising activities and what income is it generating me? Because in today's world with all the social media and at Google ads and Facebook, all that kind of stuff where you can throw thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars at, you need to ensure that it's actually working for you and you're not just getting caught up in the whole keeping up with a Joneses kind of approach where you feel like you have to be doing certain things. And then the second one in terms of a, a ratio, so return on marketing, the other one's return on wages. So if you're employing people, and this is a really interesting one um, for you too, Prue, is like, hey, I wasn't paying someone to do this now. Now I am. What type of return am I expecting on this? Am I expecting to get an increased return or am I purely looking at my time and the return that I get by getting time back for me. 
So yeah, I'd be going that. Break even, which is kind of you working out your costs, understanding your return on your marketing activities and understanding your return on your um, your wages are three really interesting ones when we come around profitability and time that you get back to yourself. Oh, I love those. Super clear. And I think, yeah, listeners, get your. I hope you've got your pen and paper out. Maybe not if you're driving, but they're three really clear ones. And honestly, not those those metrics. I mean, break-even point, definitely we want to know that. But I haven't heard a lot of people speak about looking at those return on investment with your marketing and then also with your staff as well. And I think they're two really sage pieces of advice because, I mean, particularly like you said, with that marketing, it can be a never-ending funnel. And particularly for, I think, small businesses, you know, there's a lot of promise out there. And sometimes it's coupled with delivery and sometimes not. So, you know, sponsor this, market here, spend money on your social advertising, your Google ad, whatever it might be, and not necessarily a great return on investment. Look so at just, those channels. Um, yeah, like those channels. Yes. So if you're, you're spending money with influencers, is that working? Like we, we had a client that was spending a lot of money with influencers. And when we started looking at it, it wasn't really making them any money. And the other one that I find really interesting is, um, and I've got a lot of love to all the marketers and creative. We, we look after a, a significant number of creatives, so I love them all. Um, but sometimes the way they communicate what they deliver for you is a return on ad spend, which is great. But what are they costing you to manage said ad spend? So if all of a sudden you factor in the cost that you're paying that digital marketer to manage it for you, are you then getting the return that you require or are you purely looking at just their, okay, I spent $100 and I got 100 clicks, so that's fine, happy days, move on. Um, that's the one I find people get lost in. And I think to even add to that as well, it's like as you increase those marketing activities, also your, um, you know, the bill to your graphic designer increases mm-hmm. or the time that you take to then work with your graphic designer to get all of the materials or your videographer or whoever it might be to get all the materials that the marketing agency needs to then put the ads up for them, the the ad spend. So there's all these hidden costs within marketing that, you know, it's something that I've ne- definitely noticed in a lot of the businesses that I work with. And even in my own business, when we used to do more social advertising before it came as po- popular as what it is now. Um, When we used to do it in the past, I just, when I really stripped it back and had a look at the numbers, there is just so many hidden costs in marketing, you know, in my team's time, in, like I said, the graphic designers, the videographers, and then like you say, actually paying the agency's uh, retainer and then there is ad spend. So there's, there's a lot in that marketing piece. I think that downtime of hours is huge too. And and let's go back to those metrics and things you can, that's not a financial number. It's not necessarily something you can do, but, you know, look at your week, look at the hours you have and look at where you can spend that time and what in re- what investment, what return on that time of your time personally you're going to get. It's, it's not necessarily costing you anything in terms of you're not paying anybody, but it's costing you something in terms of what you're able to achieve. So could you have delivered just a good, a, uh, a marketing strategy if you did it yourself versus someone else? Probably not, but maybe depending on the cost, maybe you would have been a, a passable number. Um, is it uh, worrying about shipping of your goods or should you be looking at using a, a 3PL kind of out, outsourced kind of shipping provider to do that because of the time and the cost of yourself that doesn't hit your profit and loss because it's not a dollar figure, but it hits your um, other side of things in terms of your mental capacity, your ability to um, achieve other things that your business needs as you potentially are continuing to grow and scale or not grow and scale, but maintain, but want to spend time in the mornings meditating for a few hours, but you can't because you're so busy doing all these other things. 
Yeah, love it, love it, love it. Okay, well, look, Andrew, we are like banging right up to end of financial year at the moment and there has been a lot going on in this financial year that obviously none of us foresaw over 12 months ago. So I guess I'd love to get your brains around what people should be preparing if there's anything they need to do now to take advantage of any of the tax exemptions, write-offs, stimulus-related activities. I mean, so much has been happening. So I guess it's probably a two-part question. Anything that people would normally or should normally have their eyes and ears around coming up to end of financial year and then anything additional given the year that we've just had. Gotcha. So anytime we're sitting here at tax year end, there's kind of three three ways of having a conversation. But normally we're sitting at it from two angles. Angle number one is I don't want to pay any tax. Angle number two is I need to borrow as much money as I possibly can. Um, those two things are contradictory of each other because as if anyone's had to go to a bank to try and get money, um, if they have made not much profit, which means they've paid very little tax, banks probably going to laugh at them and tell them to walk off. But conversely, uh, the ability to borrow as much money means you might have to have a lot of income, which means you might have to pay a lot of tax and you need to be prepared for that. So you really need to understand what position you're in before you even have these kind of thoughts around it. And ideally, you're working with your accountant and your advisor to have more of a consistent approach as opposed to highs and lows because you're trying to borrow money than save tax. So we want to get in good consistent habits. And then it's just a matter of looking at the same things. Um, what what right now do I need to spend money on at all? And if I'm going to spend money on it, will it get me increase in revenue, increased efficiency and effectiveness in my kind of overhead costs of reducing costs? Or does it give me that much warm and fuzzies that I can justify spending the money? Because more than likely, you're going to spend a dollar to save 26 cents if you're structured as a company. So that's the thing you really need to understand. I'm sacrificing 74 cents to have this thing and then multiply by how much you're actually looking to spend. So really looking at that one initially, then you need to look at things like deferring. So there's a great thing out there right now is the instant asset write-off. So if you're a small business, you can go and spend, I don't know, 60 grand on a forklift and you can write it off and you can buy, you can spend a whole bunch of money. You'll see um, places like Officeworks and um, and Harvey Norman, they're like trying to give out tax advice because it's tax time and you can write these things off. That's all well and good and it definitely is a deduction and it might be helpful for you. But firstly, number one, contemplate if you're trying to borrow some money because writing off that $20,000 thing is going to decrease your profit and a bank might take that into account. But also um, is looking at it and go, is, is this something I actually need? Does it actually help me? Because I'd much rather my clients have money in their bank account to be able to go on holidays or build do renovations or send their kids to school than having that nice new shiny thing that actually doesn't help them at all. So that's really like in terms of a business as usual, every year you should be looking and asking those questions. Particularly this year, um, obviously, if anyone's received any kind of government support around um, COVID, and I really hope that you did if you were struggling, um, you just need to be aware of that they're taxed a little bit differently. So the JobKeeper um, payments that you would receive, that is taxable income. Whether you're a company, a trust or a sole trader, it's taxable income. Um, various different grants, depending on what states you're in, some of them are and aren't tax deductible. So you really need to pay attention and ask your accountant whether those funds are taxable income or not. And then the cash flow boost, which effectively was the government trying to cover the cost of the tax you were withholding on your employees. That was actually tax-free. So looking at those ones, you're really seeing there's some different applications and how it looks like. Um, if you're in Victoria, there's um, grants out right now to support your business because of the lockdowns that we're in. And there's other things around the digital ad adaptation grants, encouraging you to spend money on digital tools. So I would really be having a chat with your accountant around your state and regional based grants that might be available because you might find that they're running out over the next week or three. And then you want to kind of make sure you're, you're taking up 
uh, take them up as much as you possibly can. Yeah, on that note, we just saw that with Queensland government. The Queensland government are wonderful at supporting their small businesses um, with various types of grant. And they opened one, I think it was last week. It was the Mm -hmm. Business Basics Grant. And they, I think it closed within three hours. Um, They have, I think they're giving out, allocating 2,000 grants and they had 3,000 applications in less than the first three hours and closed it. So I was was stunned by that. Like two, like... (laughs) This is my perspective. 2,000 grants, Who's that's going to help hardly anybody. But also like everyone had to have their ducks in a row to be able to apply for that as well. So people were, people were on top of it, which is cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was kind of widely publicised by, you know, people like my good self who, um, you know, the, those grants can be, be applied to our kind of programs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the mm-hmm. word got out really fast on it, which was great. Like I just hats off to Queensland government for making so many grants so available to small business. I think it's it's a really incredible initiative that they've rolled out and, you know, unsurprising that it fell so close to end of financial year. So fingers crossed. I mean, a lot of applications went in, but hopefully they're going to approve them pretty quick. Um, so there's some really great things for, for, for people to be across. And I guess, um, is there anything else that people need to be, I guess, aware of in their overall accounting at the moment? Uh, one thing actually I did want to touch on, which I mm-hmm. believe that you have the same approach in, is that just you can have you can have a standard accountant and you can have a really great accountant and it is makes such a difference to your business, your life, your overall mental health in that old school accounting was just, you know, minimize your tax. That's what you're doing. You're looking backwards in your business. You're minimizing the tax and keeping people out of jail. But really where we want our accountants to be is really like you say, purpose-based and also forward thinking for us, looking forward with us, making sure that, you know, really, I mean, accountants have so much knowledge and that they're bringing this to the table to really support the businesses and the lives that we want to live. So, I mean, I don't know if there's any comment on this or just agreeance, but this old school, like the the kind of lazy accounting, like it's just dead now. I really, I want our listeners to hear this and hear how important it is because <laughs> quite often I ask people, I'm like, do you have a really great accountant? And the answer is like, oh, I don't know. Like I don't pay much tax. It's like, that is not the answer to a really great accountant. So, I mean, what should people be looking for? Maybe that's a better question for me. Well, look, it's, it's a great question because this is one of the challenges in, in the world for the accountants that are trying to do more and be more is that that do more and be more requires a lot of time, a lot of investment and a lot of costs. So often it means a great accountant costs more money. Um, but sometimes the expectation is it's the same. Oh, my, my accountant's really crappy. I just want someone's better, but I'm not going to pay anymore. And it's it's helping, as anyone out there would know, like you, you, you crap in, crap out kind of approach is you kind of get what you pay for. So firstly, I think you really need to look at that and say, what is it that I'm actually looking for as out of an accountant? And so some people, and as much as I do agree that accountants should do and be more as well. There are still a lot of great old school accountants out there who will, you know, lodge the document and keep you out of jail and have a good chat over a beer maybe about it and that's kind of it. And if that's all you're really looking for, that's okay. That's totally up to you. Um, But if you really want to work with someone who kind of gives a rats about what you're trying to achieve, I would be asking some of those questions around what they're doing with their business. I'd be asking some questions around how they go about communicating and supporting their clients. So, you know, things like if I've got a quick question for you, how do you handle that? That's a really good sign of someone who actually understands how they support their clients because accountants over the last 12 to 18 months 
have had an enormous influx of really quick questions that actually don't become really quick questions. So understanding how they do that is important. I would be looking for an accountant that is able to articulate their fees upfront. So whether you're paying a monthly um, kind of subscription like we charge at Illuminate or whether you're paying, okay, I know my fixed price, I know what it's going to be. You really want to understand that. Um, the three things that we always hear when we have new clients knock on our door is I don't want any surprises, which is the whole that fee thing. I want to understand what it costs. They say, I want an accountant that's proactive, although they can't define what pro proactive is other than they're sick and tired of being told how much tax they owe a week before they owe it. Um, and the last one, which is almost slightly depressing, is I just want to feel like my accountant has my best interests at heart rather than theirs. And I think that last one is the real key one in, in terms of finding an accountant that you appreciate, that you connect, that you can trust, is how, what questions and what things can you ask them to make sure that they have your best interests at heart and then be prepared and be comfortable to pay for that because you will get a much greater experience and greater involvement with those accountants who are providing that kind of space to service and support you and hopefully see you and your business kind of kick goals going forward. Awesome. Such great advice. And for all of our listeners, I cannot more highly recommend getting a great accountant on your side. Like it will just change the game for you. And as Andrew said, if you're looking for an old school accountant, there's plenty out there and they're doing a great job. I actually don't think that you're listening to this podcast if you're one of those people. I yeah, think true. here you are really proactive around like growing what you want to grow and getting the right and smart enough to get the right support in place. And this is the thing, accounting is a must have, not a nice to have. So if it's a must have mm. thing in your business, like you want to be your, your accountant to be like, just, they don't have to agree with your goals, but you just want them to understand your goals. Um, I know definitely me and my accountant, like he just thinks I'm crazy, but he's also on board with helping me try and achieve crazy. So that that's mm. kind of what makes sense for me. So I guess last question for you, Andrew, and I feel like we're going to have to have a follow-up because you've just got all of the values that I like about business. And I feel like we could go <laughs> down many, many a rabbit hole me halfway in meditation, maybe drinking a chai and you on a few whiskeys. Um, but you obviously see, you see a lot of businesses and you see profitable businesses. I'm all about the profitable businesses. So I'd love to know, like, is there any special source or is there something that you see with either particular businesses or particular business owners that kind of gives them that, I don't know, whether it's a little bit of magic in their businesses, the ones that really kind of shoot head and shoulders above all else? Oh, that's a cracking good question. I can probably think of a couple of things that I feel are consistent qualities that I see. And, and when I say I see, I work with predominantly, like I said, small family-owned businesses. Number one is their desire to understand and be a part of what's going on. So they aren't just people who go, I'm just going to find a marketer to do it because I can't be bothered. I'm just going to find an accountant to do it and I'm just gonna, I just want you to do it. I don't want to be a part of it. Most of these successful business owners have at least understood and been a part of that um, process, whether it was they did it originally and then they passed it on to someone to do or whether they found someone but they're still involved in that. So they're always understanding because there's nothing worse than I know sitting in the pub having a drink with your mate and someone says, ask you a question about your business and you can't answer it because you just trust someone else to do it for you. So have a good understanding on that. Um, and I think the, the second part, and this is probably once again connected to my personal values here, is having an impact before income approach. So it's not just about trying to make money right here. And if you're just looking at every opportunity to take money, um, sooner or later, you're not going to make any money. But if you're looking at that impact and that, what am I trying to do within my community and how can I get amongst them and how can I help them and do what I do and price it appropriately and respectfully, 
you'll find that you're going to have a lot more longevity with those clients and those services you're providing. And I've, I've found a number of clients that are in that space are consistently having really interesting and smart wins because they're, they're thinking more creatively around the idea of business as opposed to simply I have a thing and it gets sold for a certain dollar amount and if I sell X number, I'll make a certain certain kind of profit. So those would be my two tips based on what I see uh, currently. Excellent, excellent tips. And I couldn't be more on board with you. I think particularly, you know, having the other podcast with One Wild Ride where I showcase a lot of great businesses and the kind of storytelling that brought them to life. And one thing that's really consistent is exactly as you say, that kind of impact before income, because I think what that then mm. kind of leads to is this just a long-term vision. Like it is less about, I think when people make a thing, sell a thing, it's quite short term. Like, you know, it might be they're looking a week forward or a month forward or just a year forward. But when people are really creating for impact, they're looking to shift industries. They're looking five years into the future, 10 years, seven generations however long it might be. It's this real long-term approach that I think it's it's magnetic and it's I think it's because innately as human beings, it's what we're attracted to. We, we, we do want to take care of people and we want to take care of planet. And so that long-term thinking is, it, it actually just, it hooks us in. And when you then attach the business to that, I think it's kind of that magic combination. Awesome. Love it. Andrew, I have thoroughly enjoyed our chat. I'm sure we're going to have to have you back again. And listeners, I'd love to hear your questions as well. Um, off the back of this, I think, like I said, accounting is just, it's so important for businesses and I want people to get it right. I'm really passionate about this as a topic. I want people to get the right support that they need. So if you do have questions, I would love to, you can either fire them through um, on any of our socials to me um, and I can direct them to Andrew or we can get him back and ask him some more questions. So uh, please go ahead and do that. And Andrew, for people that want to to connect directly, how should they go about that? Well, other than me coming and hanging out at your treehouse soon, um, <laughs> we can probably you can find us on all the various different social media. So it's illuminate i double l u m i n and the number eight dot com dot au as our website. You can find us on Facebook, on Insta, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and wherever that. Or if you want to search out me directly, Andrew Van D Beek is me, and you can find that handle on most of those social profiles too. Awesome. Andrew, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. I've absolutely loved this chat. And like I said, we'll get you back soon. Thanks, mate. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you never want to miss an episode, be sure to subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. I'm also dropping some juicy business building tips on Instagram. So head over to at Owners Collective to join in the fun. And finally, folks, if you're hungry for a deep dive into the entrepreneurial story behind some of the best businesses around, be sure to listen to my other podcast, One Wild Ride, where we talk all things good business, positive impact, and epic adventures with the most inspiring entrepreneurs around. 